Greetings and welcome to Stanford Cinema. As always, thank you very much for listening. My name is Andrew and continuing on with our Lord of the Rings series, we are now in the third and final chapter of the trilogy, the the critically acclaimed, the Oscar winning final chapter that is Return of the King. And of course, joining me to complete the trilogy is my buddy, Brad. You remember Brad from the previous two installments that we've done for Lord of the Rings. So of course, of course, he was going to come back to to round it out. I mean, he is our resident Lord of the Rings, J.R. Tolkien expert. So without further ado, the always dashing Bradley D. Fuller. What's going on, Brad? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I am excellent, uh, and I am 100% ready for this episode. All right. Unlike last time, I I hope not to miss a bunch of questions. <laughs> we have a quiz prepared for today. Oh, of course. You know okay. there's going to okay. be a quiz. Okay. Well, well, we'll see. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk it up too much, but I uh I, I tried to pay more attention. I and watched this is- watch this alone. I tr- I made the mistake of two towers watching it with a group of friends and, you know, only half paying attention. This time I focused. So, good. I'm I'm glad that you are focused because our trivia question is going to have very very little to do with the movie itself. So, I had, to, that, I had I had I had to, I had to flip not be it. ready at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, because you did really good the first quiz, and I can't remember how you did the second one. I think you did pro- probably. I think I got pretty. like one. And I think the one was like a generous, we'll go ahead and give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but everything's going all right. I mean, it's been a minute since we've talked. Every, anything, anything exciting? I see. Is this the same backdrop that we had last time? Because it looks um, incredible behind you. I don't know if this is no, probably not. I, I I adjust where I'm sitting on occasion. No, this is the my main wall of games behind me here, so you can see a small portion of it. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, we did that. We did the video tour before, but there's you can see two out of the six or seven shelves that are behind. It looks me. good. I'm in I'm in the nook of my bedroom, so I think you get a heart behind me. I but, see a nice and, heart right above your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, um, welcome, dude. It's it's been a minute. I've missed you. You know, I've really enjoyed our previous two conversations, and this is a little bittersweet because on one hand, I'm really excited to talk about this film. On the other hand, I'm kind of bummed that this this adventure is over. You know, we are because I have no interest in talking about the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you want to talk about the cartoons or maybe the TV series next year when it comes out, mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good at passing on the Hobbit. <laughs> we might have to do that. We might have to revisit or not revisit. We may have to explore the the new um, Amazon Prime show that's going. It's coming out next year, isn't it? Yeah, I think they said like a year from about right now. Unfortunately, I got to wait a whole nother year. Mm-hmm. But but there is a new fantasy series debuting this in November that I'm super excited about. And that's, the that? Wheel, that's the Wheel of Time. That's another epic fantasy series. Maybe not as well. Isn't that one that's been Rings. around for like twenty or some odd years? That yeah, it's got it's it's got like thirteen novels, and you you mm-hmm. would know it if you see it because every novel's like. 800 900 pages it's uh it's one of those that uh is very very dense i don't i know i was reading it 
a lot back in the day when I knew you. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure there. that I would have, if not you, somebody else from the Navy, they would have mentioned Wheel of Time back then yeah. and everything. So I'm familiar with it. I've never read it. I know, no, I know very little about it. Now from, is it a movie or is it a TV show that they're going to be doing? It's going to be a doing? TV show by Amazon as well. But Okay. And, uh, interesting it's, attached to it? Uh, Rosamund Pike, I think, is the lead female. Okay. And uh, it's one of those worlds where I think all the females are the magic users and males. If a male is born that does magic, it's it's bad and they usually take care of boop <laughs> oh. type thing. So, um, okay. But yeah, I, I actually, I haven't read the whole series either. I only made it a few books in. Like I said, it's a long, dense series. And unfortunately, the author actually died before it was released. And another author took up the reins and wrote the last two books to finish it based on his notes. Sure. Okay. But, okay. But anyways, that's not what we're here talking about. It's just news in the fantasy world that I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah. So we are here to talk about Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And yeah. you've done such a great job the previous two times. I'm going to have to throw it out to you because, again, <laughs> you are the expert. What the hell is this about that we're about to talk about? Can you give us a little walkthrough? All right. I, you know, I forgot about this part, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I can do it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, buddy. The, the epic conclusion to our series, uh, we have Frodo and Sam. Uh, a lot of this is their journey uh, by themselves in Mordor and the stuff that they encounter and the push-pull of the relationship with uh, Gollum and Smeagol. And then the rest of it is basically everybody else trying to stave off Sauron's armies long enough to hopefully have Frodo uh, succeed. So we get a few more epic battle scenes, uh, as obviously this is what the series does. And, um, you know, basically, you know, wraps up everybody's plot line in the end. But, you know, the biggest thing is the return of the king, Aragorn, actually ascending to the throne and the people of Gondor accepting him, which is kind of one of the struggles for the first two movies. And then you have, you know, Denethor in this movie kind of going crazy a little bit, not wanting to give up his seat of power as the steward of Gondor. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's the basic. Uh, most of this is a lot of it is Frodo and Sam's journey and, uh, you know, what they experience going through Mordor, Shelob's lair, um, a lot more about the pull of the ring and how the ring is actually affecting him. And, uh, you know, you get to the epic climax where, you know, much like in the in the you know, in the pre in the very in the first movie where you had the flashback, we had um, Isildur who hesitated and didn't want to throw the ring in when he finally got there. Frodo experiences a similar fate and where he's like, no, this is mine. I don't want to throw it away. So a lot a lot more, you know, dealing with the psyche of the ring and you, know, you get them disguised an enemy you know, behind enemy line disguises orcs and, you know, a lot of that stuff. And uh, you get the epic Witch King fight with Eowyn. And um, like I said the the fall of Denethor as he kind of goes a little crazy. And uh, lots of stuff. There's There was a few things in this movie that when I was watching, I was like, wow, I completely forgot about that part. Same, so, same. Yeah. <laughs> And again, I watched the extended edition. I don't own the theatrical version. So did you watch theatrical again? Um, 
Yeah, so I watched both. Uh, oh, so you? leading into this one, uh, what is that? That is about eight hours worth of video background yeah. that I've got That's coming into this podcast. So I saw, yeah, I saw both the theatrical and the extended. I just read the differences, you know, <laughs> read up on some of the differences, but. And I, I did that as well, but I also just wanted to know from like a pacing perspective mm-hmm. as far as how this would go, how that would go. Yeah, there are some surprising things I learned about the theatrical version that I didn't remember as well. Okay. But, but yeah, an interesting, uh, I, I assume you're going to ask me when I first saw this one again, like you usually do. So I'll just, you've only done this twice, but I I'll like just, that you're, you're prepared. I'm just going to go right into it. Okay. But, so this one, I actually got a last minute phone call from a buddy. Where were you living? Uh, I was in Ohio on recruiting duty. Mm-hmm. I got a last minute phone call. Like, Hey, we've got an extra seat. Can you make it? And I was at work. And I told my boss, I'm like, look, this is once in a lifetime. <laughs> I need the rest of the day off. It was like 11 and, in the morning. Yeah. And he's like, because what I seen was fellowship extended, two towers extended in theaters leading up to the midnight showing of the premiere of this one. So I was in the theater for 13 hours. And <laughs> so I'm like, this is once in a lifetime. I got home at like five in the morning, had to work the next day. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm doing this. You know, my wife was pissed. Like, you're going to do this just to just to go see a movie. You wouldn't get off work if I needed you to. You know, I'm like, nope, I don't care. You'd be mad at me later. I'm doing it. <laughs> so and Lena must really love you because, yeah, I mean, she's she doesn't pull any punches. You know, she's going to tell you what's what. So the fact that she still let you do that is pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, so what it was is they sold enough tickets to fill one theater, but then they let us spread out as we chose between two theaters. So you weren't crowded next Mm. to people and we could pick wherever we wanted to sit. And they brought like hot dog carts in and stuff at the breaks between the movies. So that's why it was about 13 hours because of of the breaks in between the movies. But yeah, it was uh, quite the epic experience. (laughs) And like I said, I think it ended at four in the morning something like that and i was over an hour away from home so i didn't get home till like after five so so yeah that's my longest time ever sitting in the theater 13 hours and to be clear so that was when the first one when the third one came out so it was extended extended theatrical yes okay okay yeah that was the i mean i know the extendeds have been shown in theaters every once in a while here and there but that was the only time i've ever got to see the extended editions in theaters mm-hmm which recently they did like a extended edition trilogy with an actual orchestra playing the score. And I really wish I could have went to that, but there wasn't any around me. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. Just like the whole idea of being in a theater for over half of a day. I think the longest time I've ever sat in a theater for anyone showing was just to see Lawrence of Arabia and that movie is just a little, uh, um, you know, what? I'll save it for, save it for the, uh, the trivia later on. But I think the longest film that I've ever seen in movie theater was Lawrence Arabia. And that wasn't quite four hours, but right. shoot to do it for 13 plus, man. Good for you. Well, That's awesome. They were comfortable chairs and I was much younger then. I couldn't do it now. That's mm-hmm. that would. I can't load it up on Coke. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. You know, sit uh, for 20 minutes now, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh it was a neat epic 
once in a lifetime experience. And actually, because I was a I was a last minute fill in for somebody who had to cancel, I actually didn't have tickets for it. Um, I didn't get one because uh, they gave the the thing to uh, um, I don't know what, I don't know what, I, what I want to call it. It was a uh, like a framed uh, piece with three strips of the film, like three stills of like oh, like cool. the, like the negative yeah. or whatever of the film and everybody that attended got one of those um i didn't get it because they gave it to the person who had bought the ticket and couldn't come which is fine you know i was okay with that and of course there was a bunch of people cosplaying and stuff and you know the the my, when you're when you're a recruiter you have like these different zones and there's like six seven eight ten recruiting stations in the zone and while i was standing in the line the zone supervisor drove by to see if i was actually in line and like gave me one of those like you know <laughs> like shaking his head and pointing mm-hmm. at me like like you know you get this freebie but don't do something like this again <laughs> you know better be passing out some business cards while you're standing in line <laughs> but yeah that's my that's my return of the king story so what'd you think after half a day in the movie theater, obviously you were riding on the high of the first and the second one, but what did you think of the third one? Um, couldn't have been better. Perfect closing. Fantastic. Can't wait till mm-hmm. I see the extended edition, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. Um, and like I was talking about, like the Saruman death scene is not in the theatrical version. And I didn't even realize that. So I, I'm sure I was thinking, you know, what about, you know, what about Saruman? Why don't we get a closure on that storyline? But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was, this is, I mean, it's as close to perfect as you can get with a, with a closer of a trilogy, I think. Sure, sure. And you, you mentioned uh, Saruman because if memory serves in the book, he doesn't die. Yeah. I'm actually glad they didn't do the book stuff here whereas i've complained the last two episodes about some deviations from the book that i didn't care for as much here i'm glad they deviated from the book because mm-hmm. it would for one it would have added you know half an hour or so more to the movie and it it just it didn't it didn't feel right in the book and it definitely wouldn't have felt right with the pacing of the movie right because, yeah in the book Saruman escapes with grimma from the scene you see in this movie, he, you know, he slithers away, goes to the Shire, takes over the Shire with the rest of the orcs and is like the warlord of the Shire. And then when everybody comes back to the Shire, they have to overthrow him again. Mm-hmm. That just, that wouldn't have fit at all. No. In the movie. No. no. So I, I'm, I'm content with how they, you know, Grimba still kills him in the book in a similar way he doesn't fall off the tower but he still stabs him in the back and and stuff in the book so they kept how he died they just changed the time and place that that's fine i was okay with that yeah i, I think the only thing that ever like kind of stunned me about the the deviation and how it was handled in the extended edition was just legolas killing grima like it was just kind of like well you know they're Grima just killed off Saruman. Like, why? Like, why are you now taking down Grima? Well, like, it well, just well. I guess two points. We don't know that he died because they don't follow up on that. Mm-hmm. Even though he did look like it was pretty close to the heart, but also I think Legolas shot because Gandalf's reaction was no. We want to get more information out of Saruman. You know, so I think Legolas's shot was 
no, don't kill him yet. We can still get more information out of him. And that's how I kind of wrote off that scene. That's why Legolas took that shot. But Legolas never misses. And, you know, just yeah. to, like, to have a kill shot on Grima just seemed kind of like, well, that's weird. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, that's a hell of an angle to shoot at too. Put the top of a tower, but uh, not not very many complaints in this one. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. No, no, no. And that that's very very small little kind of like I said, just one thing that I was just kind of like, huh? Just because when it comes to the the extended edition versus theatrical, this the or rather the uh, the uh, the extended I think is really the only way to go with mm. this one for sure, even though. It's going to pack on roughly an extra hour of screen time, but right, which that was, I mean, that was, I was ecstatic. I'm like a whole extra hour. Like I can't wait. Mm-hmm. You know? So I mean, when the, when the extended came out, you know, just watching it again was, you know, it's a whole different experience. Yeah. And obviously they, they, they add on a few things. There's obviously a couple extra scenes that weren't in the theatrical. We just mentioned Saruman. We'll probably talk about another one here a little bit later. You have anything do you have anything interesting about the first time you've seen it? I don't really necessarily or have anything. Just, uh, I'm a movie guy who goes to the theater for every movie. You know, <laughs> are are you are are you mocking me? Are you mocking the host? Of... I'm not mocking the host. I'm uh, um, insinuating that that's the impression I have of you. <laughs> right. So this film, if I just want to, I want to double check the, the exact date return of the King. So I remember once again, I saw this in Portsmouth, Virginia at the, 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 the classic movie theater that they have over there that they also do kind of like, like dinner and like cocktails and whatever. You talked and about I, yeah, we talked a little bit about that. The last time I was with my then, my then, girlfriend at the time her name was jen and uh yeah i you know I'm, I'm surprised that we we lasted as long as we did she survived two uh, lord of the rings films with me in the movie theater but thoroughly enjoyed the movie I was gonna say, is that because you drug her to a movie she didn't want to see it at yeah, all? twice twice <laughs> i did yeah. it to her twice basically i should mention i was in toledo ohio you said portsmouth virginia i was in toledo ohio <laughs> yeah we were both in the navy i see that you're wearing a navy shirt by the way I bought this at the exchange on my recent trip back to Virginia. My wife said, buy a new Navy shirt. So I did. Yes. Awesome. My thumbnail doesn't show the U.S. Navy sign, but yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. It's still a cool story. I, I want to, I still want to get like my hands on like a, another, like a Mitcher, like ball cap, even though I don't wear like baseball caps, but I just want another one. But... I have a brand new one still that's never been worn. <laughs> Well, I mean that that's I'm just I'm just mocking you again. Yeah, okay. I'm like I'm like yeah. you're not giving that to me. All you're doing is just No, no, posting. I'm not giving it to you. I'm just saying I have one and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Uh I see that you're drinking well, are you doing your uh, your Captain Morgan this evening? I, I am doing my Captain Morgan this you know, evening. You know, because I knew that uh from a previous conversation that you were a rum guy, I myself am doing a little rum. Now I'm not doing Captain Morgan, I'm doing my my uh, my fatherland rum, which is Gosling's. So I'm doing a little, little Gosling. So I'm joining you with a little rum tonight. Some Bermuda rum. A little Bermuda <clears throat> rum, indeed, indeed. Is it imported from Bermuda? Or can you buy it in the states? You can buy Gosling's, and you can go to any package store, liquor liquor store across the U.S. and find Gosling's because now okay. it's like owned by Bacardi or somebody. Oh, okay. But did the quality still... change when they when they bought it? Or pardon me. 
Did the quality change when it got bought by a bigger company? I couldn't tell you because when I would have had it in Bermuda at 18 mm-hmm. and it would still be manufactured there, I, I yeah. wouldn't have known because I was fucking 18 years old and it's just like alcohol, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, but you can still get... I don't know if you can hear her going on. Uh, now I can, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, now it's just like a little bit of a novelty, but you can still get some like true Bermuda rum. They call it like old rum that is like a higher proof. And that's still, as far as I know, made still in Bermuda Ohio, and everything. We'll see if my local store sells. Ohio doesn't have liquor stores. Ohio has like an aisle of a grocery store also mm. has some liquor in it we don't have like virginia had like abc stores and like the package store like where they had a huge selection and ohio is usually just like the most popular stuff in a small aisle so yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because i was talking to somebody uh <laughs> apologize i'm getting uh distracted uh for the listeners you may be hearing my daughter sing in the background or chant right now i think she's Chant. Trying to round up Ariel from The Little Mermaid. My daughter has a very active imagination and she is obsessed with princesses. And depending on what she's wearing, she'll either A, be Elsa or Anna or Rapunzel or Ariel. Or in the case of tonight, she is dressed up as Ursula, the sea uh. witch. So now she's Ursula chanting for Ariel. So yeah. much cooler than a princess. Being <laughs> Being Ursula is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I remember the princess phase. You know, my 18 year old daughter will tell you now that that never happened, but you know, <laughs> I went through that too. But... <laughs> for sure, man. Like, yeah, 18. Yeah. And you know what? Fuck it. Thank you for the listeners segueing on that 10 minute little rant, but all right. So we talked I think a little bit. We're going to do that this time. Yeah. Well, you know what? Whatever. Fuck the this, listeners. This is for us. This is for us. This is for us. <laughs> so we've already talked a little bit about when we saw this film. We covered the plot basically, but we don't necessarily have to do an out and out walkthrough. But I feel that we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least mention how this film opens. Which oh yeah we are introduced to Gollum in his previous world, which, you know, asked Smeagol and he was with Daigle. This, I want to say like 600 years earlier ish around or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Him and Deagle. Yeah. Yep. Him and Deagle just, you know, a couple buddies, I assume buddies. I don't know if they're related. I don't know if they're lovers. I don't know. I I, I can't brothers. Brothers. Okay. And, and they were just, you know, just a couple dudes going for a little fishing adventure. And lo and behold, they find the ring of power. They themselves have a little power struggle. And then you have a little, a little uh, right. domestic, and, uh, you know, that I like murder, that scene. You know, a brother killing uh, a brother. And I was happy they included it because that's, you know, that's a, a scene in the book that you know about, you know, if you've read the books. At the same time, nobody else has ever seen the ring and be came that enthralled that they had to have it, that they would kill for it. So was Smeagol just weak mentally that, mm-hmm. that he just had to have it? Did he have like some hunger for gold? Did the ring call to him some way? I don't know. Um, but that 
interaction was, I mean, was he just greedy? I, I don't know. But that was the only part about that scene that has always been like, I mean, no one else has like ever looked at it and just killed somebody said that's mine now. What's your take on that? Yeah, no. So, and, and I'm glad that we're actually covering this because of the fact that's one scene that I always really look back and to answer your question, D. Olive above, quite frankly, he Ooh. is that weak. He Ooh. he was also uh, the the ring wanted to be found by somebody that weak to be able to right. be manipulated by somebody that weak. Um, so all and of those. And that's the thing is the ring wanted to be found. It, it mm-hmm. is the ring doing that, but we don't ever actually get an answer. But I feel like that's where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. Because no one had put it on. We didn't know that it made you invisible yet. We didn't know that it did anything yet, you know. And and there's no evidence that actually implies that Smeagol slash Gollum didn't put on the rank. He was only by himself. So for all we know, he was no, I just I just meant Deagle didn't put on the ring. Right, Deagle didn't, yeah. For Smeagol to see. He puts mm-hmm. it on right after he kills him. And then, yeah, then starts succumbing to it. But when he's so attracted to it, we don't know that it does anything yet. He doesn't know that it does anything yet. It's just something pretty. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're we're both kind of like on the same page in in the sense that we agree that obviously the, the ring wanted to be found. It was found by happenstance Steagle, but when it got a little sniff of Gollum Smeagol, it's like, oh, this is this is somebody we can corrupt. This is somebody that we can right. really yeah. You know, manipulate. And that's what it had to be. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an only child. You have a brother. Can you imagine you and your brother finding something cool one day and you'd be like, No, that's mine, I'm killing you. No. <laughs> I mean, so it I would like to believe my brothers wouldn't kill me either, you know, but yeah, yeah so it yeah. had to be the ring, right? Mm-hmm. It had to be the ring perpetrating that, but we don't ever get that explanation. So we're left to wonder that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because anybody else around it, you can you can see where they 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 feel its power, right? I mean, whether it's Boromir or shit, even within this film, whether it's Sam, right? You can see people that Sam has, yeah, Sam has that moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, in the book, I think that moment is a little stronger. Yeah, Sam mm-hmm. has like a whole "I could be Samwise the Strong" and right. he has like this whole like, and then it snaps out of it like much like Galadriel did mm-hmm. in the first film. They have that moment of you know, like holy crap, look what I could do, and then they snap out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean it's it's a good scene, and mm-hmm. and I mentioned, and I think it was a previous film, or was it the first film? Uh, no, it was a previous film. That scene also was directed by Fran. So yeah, that was another was another yeah, scene yeah. that Ooh. wasn't directed by Peter Jackson. So that opening scene in this film, it has a different tempo with everything else going on in the rest of this movie. Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, go ahead. I was saying, I don't know if you were like me, but sitting down to watch this movie, that was not how I expected it to start at all, but I was super happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like two towers, you know, starting with the Balrog type scene, like, you know, it was, it was a flashback start. Right. And it, it was, a, I was, I mean, I was really happy with it, but I didn't expect the movie to start like that. And I thought it was really good. 
No, it was it was a really, really interesting way to begin a movie. Just, yeah, exa- exactly right. Just to begin with a flashback. And the flashback isn't with a lead character. You know, it's a it's a supporting character, although a supporting character that has an important function within the overall story. But it's right. still somewhat a tertiary character. And you're like, all right, we're going to begin this with how this character got corrupted. Now, yeah. finding out about how he was corrupted is important in the grand scheme of things of what they're going to be doing on later on in the plot where Smeagol succumbs again, you know, basically to Gollum where he's going to manipulate somebody and right. And, and he's, he's got enough of his mind left that he is manipulating Frodo to be against Sam and has this master plot. To, I'm going to lead you to, to a Smeagol or not. To, I'm going to lead Sheila. you to yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheila because Sheila, you know, obviously is going to be able to take you out and then I can get the ring back. Mm hmm. And I love that dynamic of the whole like Frodo taking his side and Frodo and Sam being put against each other. That is done really well where, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, I just like how that plays out. Yeah. And we, we've seen it. We've already seen it before in this trilogy, right? Because we, to a lesser extent, mind you, but you saw how Grima was manipulating Theoden? Theoden, thank you. Uh, so how uh, Grima was uh, manipulating Theoden, and he had his but nephew... But that was only because of the assistance of Saruman. Right, but you're still utilizing that idea of a yin and yang kind of yeah. idea. Yeah, understands the ring. He knows what the ring is doing to Frodo. He knows he can, you know, put him against him or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't agree that Sam should have just gave up and started walking back down the stairs. You know, I think he would have immediately followed behind and just waited for, you know, to see what's going to happen. Especially considering he can't swim and he risks drowning in the first one. Right. He's not just going to give up and go back home, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So, I mean, finding that, yes, Gollum threw the Lembus spread over the cliff. Now I'm going to charge back up. Like you already knew that you already knew he took it because you didn't take it. And obviously Frodo didn't take it. So it's just like, I don't know, like finding out something that you already knew and then that renewing your, you know, vow to protect Frodo and charging back up. That was a little, was that handled the same way in the book? I can't recall. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that at all. Right, a resident this, expert is resident lowercase e for expert, apparently. But, well, yeah. Are, are you insulting your guest? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would you, you if my know. guest didn't have like an Encyclopedia Britannica of uh, all things Lord of the Rings yeah, in front of him. Fine. I don't even know what to look up for that. I mean, I have to read the book. <laughs> I haven't okay. read the book. It's okay. Well. Yeah, we'll we'll leave that for the listeners. That'll be somebody that they can look in and try to yeah. figure that Put out. In the comments below. Can we do that? Is there comments below? I mean, I, they, they, um, I mean, all of these episodes are also available on YouTube, so people are more than capable of. Oh, you're uh, announcing that now. Are you officially announcing that you're on YouTube now? I guess I am. I guess okay. I am. So yeah, motherfuckers, you can uh, you listen to this on YouTube. Should I have like done my hair? 
No, no, no. These are oh, just okay. audio. Uh, okay. The plan is next year that maybe I'll have some type of backdrop as opposed to just like my bedroom or whatever. And then, then I'll be able to utilize that. But just because, I have a you know, green screen. So if you have me on, I could put a cool green screen up and we can do something fun. We'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll save that, you know, because I, I think you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to keep bringing you back just because I enjoy the, 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 you know, the shit houseery that you throw at me, you know, you uh, like, you're supposed to be a friend. I haven't chatted with you for 20 years, but you know, you just like to like to dig, you know, just whatever. <laughs> I just don't have enough guests. So he's going to have me back on because he doesn't have anybody else. Oh man. Now just cutting deep. <laughs> cutting deep. <sighs> Anyways. Right. No, you've had way cooler guests on than me. I'm just some guy. So. Right. Some guy. All right. Some guy. All right. I'm going I'm I'm to have a little bit more alcohol as I'm just dealing with that, that sad reality that I can't book anybody. Yeah, um, you, put, you put ice in it. That means you drink too slow. Well, <laughs> All right. So where we left off before we decided that we wanted to, I don't know, uh, talk shit about rum. So I think where we're at now is we've covered, we've covered Smeagol and Deagle. We've covered the fall we covered of the Isengard. We've covered the first five minutes. We've That's basically a- covered the first five minutes. Yeah. Which is going to be rough because we've got about four hours left to go. But no, I mean, this movie can essentially be broken down into, I think, several different scenes, right? So you have the entry, you've got the fall of Isengard, you've got the, what, like the, the lighting of the beacon scene, you've got the yeah. army of the dead, the battle of Gondor, Shelob. Yeah, uh, there's a point where you like forget about Frodo and Sam for a while because yeah. it's like 40 minutes before we go back to him. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Because we're not going to be able to talk about the whole thing. No, no, no. I think at this film's core, you got to talk about some of the like the central elements, right? So a lot of battling. I mean, a lot of different battles that take place, right? You've got the uh, Minas Tirith. You've got basically the whole Battle of Gondor. You've got the the battle over at Mordor or the what like the Black Gates or whatever. So you've got those elements. Yeah, the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Pelennor Fields. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the battle with the Witch King, and then you have yeah the battle like that's closer at the Black Gate. I mean, there's a, really a lot of this movie is just fight scenes and battle scenes, and you know thousands of special effects, and you mm-hmm. know. There, there is, I mean, it's, it's epic, you know, in the true sense of the word epic, you know, when people describe a film as epic, you know, this is what they mean. And if they describe, you know, something else as epic, then you point them to this and be like, no, that's not epic. This is what epic looks like. This movie is so epic. You have two different King speeches that occur. Right. That, that is one thing that I have written down as one of my favorite things and that's jumping towards the end of the movie but Aragorn's speech at the Black Gate is one of my favorite movie moments the mm-hmm. a day may come where the courage of men fails but it's not this day this day we fight that speech is phenomenal um based on a Norse poem i think um is where it came from from Tolkien's writings but it, yeah i love that that's such a great inspirational like like yeah you've just convinced me that i'm willing to die let's charge in there and get him <laughs> you know yeah but didn't also theoden do the same roughly the same speech like an hour and a half earlier 
he well yeah Theoden's speech was good too but it wasn't <laughs> like you said it's you have two king speeches <laughs> yeah in you one do movie. have two epic speeches uh i like everyone's better but yeah Theoden's was pretty good i like the riding down with your sword clicking on everybody's spear. right and that's i think <laughs> like Theoden's win of the two is that he he got to like ride down and like you know touch swords with but everybody still, like, no it both of those speeches regardless of how loud you are almost nobody heard you, yeah. you know? so i mean the first you know the first row or two heard parts but the people in the back they're just yeah like, like, wait, wait, i'm what, doing what it too wait, what, wait what, what, what's about to happen are we about to fucking die i thought the odds were in our favor wait we're, we're not gonna make it and now i'm i'm going back to roll no victory but we're gonna fight anyways i think that's a line in the movie you know or something like that mm-hmm. it was like Sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Let's do that. <laughs> but it's it's interesting, right? I mean, there obviously this movie does cover it, it, it's just so epic in so many ways. But the bigger picture are so many different things that there are themes, whether intentional or, or not. I think mostly intentional, but just the whole idea of battle is really is obviously um very important people from essentially kind of like this small town where they're now in a big cause is really important the the element of of women in war is is something that's also is touched on so the movie obviously all this comes from a text i don't remember I, i know that she was in the book but admittedly i haven't read it in over 20 years and i was so more focused on everything that was Frodo and the ring and what was going on that I don't remember so much of Eowyn, but I know that she was in the book and I know she well, was an in, important the, in the book. That's actually an interesting deviation that they chose not to do in the film in the book, not even Mary who's riding on the horse with her knows that it's Eowyn. She, I think her name is Dernhelm. She mm. calls herself and she disguises herself and rides in the battle. And even you as the reader reading the book don't know that Eowyn is there until that I am no man take off the helmet mm. part. Even Mary, who is on the horse with her, right. doesn't know that that's Eowyn. And that was, I guess, too complicated to try to pull off in the film. And they wanted more of a female presence. So, I mean, Eowyn is is there in the book, but she is, you know, disguised. Right. And you know, she's disguised in the movie, too. But, but, I mean, you still, I feel like anybody who looked at her would still be like, that's oh, obviously Eowyn. But, and I know they went through several different you know, helmets for her. And that's the one they settled on. And I mean, that's fine. They want, they, they, it's fine that they did that for the movie to let you know that she's there. But yeah, mm-hmm. in the book, you know, it's a big reveal when she's like, I am no man. I'm a woman. Eowyn am I? And then she stabs him. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't do that line in the movie, but she says, it's still you know, a badass moment though. Yeah. Oh yeah. The film, yeah. The film moment is awesome too, but. So the movie does, tackle some really interesting thematic moments and obviously Eowyn is one of them but at its core this movie is literally just one epic battle after the other and this is this is the most war element of of the trilogy and obviously the other films have had battles and have had wars but this is probably Tolkien's 
Well, yeah, half the film is a battle, yeah. or, or you know, battle after battle. Yeah, I mean, within even the the the, the text itself, this is probably the the most war aspect of the stories. But I also mm-hmm. remember. And the movie touches on it a little bit, but there's so much, there's elements of just so much um, ambiguity and and what's the word? Ambiguity. Yeah. As far as ambiguity, ambiguity, like as far as who's, who survives which day and who doesn't, because there's so many moments in the, uh, in the book anyway, where you're like, wait, is, is Pippin dead? Is Mary dead? Like, is anyone yeah. like just the way that Tolkien phrases and and he won't see anything else today? Mm. You know, like or it just like there was like a phrasing like, wait, yeah, yeah, is he did like dead? you know, and you know, then he see nothing but dark. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm happy they didn't do. I mean, we know Theoden dies in this movie. But they didn't do like what I complained about in Two Towers with Aragorn, the whole fake out death thing. Right. But they didn't do that, um, except for maybe with Mary. But I don't think anybody thought Mary was going to die. It was just a whole Pippin's looking for him on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, well, no, what was it? You had uh, Aylmer Carmen with his, you know, that clip of his son dying. Yep. Uh, I don't know if that was in the theatrical. No. But, but yeah, so, we, you know, we did have some, you know, impactful death scenes. We had Denethor obviously losing his mind and jumping off the thing and trying to burn Faramir alive. That was, you know, I mean, that was similar to what happened in the book. You know, he did sort of go crazy. What no. I want to do is, if you can your three favorite scenes and we'll talk a little bit about those scenes. I, or if like, if you want, I'll talk about my three favorite scenes because there are three scenes in particular that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. Okay. I wrote down two things that I find funny. Okay. I wrote down two scenes I really like. Okay. First scene that I wrote down that I really like was what I just talked about was the Aragorn speech and the, you know, um, that has always been one of my favorite moments of the whole trilogy is that Aragorn speech is just epic and it makes you want to ride into battle. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wrote down was the whole Midas Morgul and the crazy staircase. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I've always loved that scene and I love the, the parallel with in Minas Tirith, you got Gandalf watching that energy like shoot up, and then you have Flash to Frodo and Sam who are right there in front of it, and they're trying to you know scamper up the side of this you know staircase that is essentially a ladder you know up this giant mountain, and you know hiding while all these you know legions of orcs come out and they're right there, and I love the the back and forth of they're watching this happen, and then we're Flash to her right next to it and you know they don't know that Frodo's right there and Frodo doesn't know that they're watching that and I just you know I just love that you know bounce back and forth scene that's and then and then the whole as they're climbing and you know flashing down to the army below them and stuff I I just always thought that that scene was really really neat I think I also love that because in fact that's not how it plays out in the book right the book is one story the other story Right. Yeah. So 
the way that Peter Jackson was able to intercut what was going on with Frodo and Sam versus everybody else was really great because it's obviously very cinematic, but the book isn't cinematic in that sense where you are getting everything with Gandalf and Aragorn. But before that, you had everything going on with like Sam and Frodo. Most books are written like that. Like, you know, you have a chapter about this character, (laughs) then a chapter about this character, and then a chapter about that character. And then, you know, you might have a chapter where they all get together, but that's something you can only do in film that is really hard to do. But they would even within each with each but even within each novel, they had two different books, right? So there were there was like this book, we were only getting this. And then within this book of this novel, you're only so it wasn't even like one chapter to the other chapter to the other chapter. Like we're talking like 150, 200 pages where all you were getting at a time were them. So you you didn't necessarily know. So let's want to talk about that. Like almost all of Frodo and Sam's journey is in the Two Towers book. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only a couple chapters in Return of the King that focus on Frodo and Sam because all of the Shelob and all that journey to Mount Doom happened in the Two Towers book. Exactly. So this book is mostly about these giant wars and that's what just some of the magic of what peter jackson and fran and everybody that they were able to do with this this epic undertaking and make it extremely cinematic and the Mm. the narrative like structure to work because that was one of the things that that i was like well shit how are they going to do this how is this going to work and Mm. i was very very linear like so you're gonna do like it's gonna be a three-hour movie so 90 minutes is just gonna be them and then the other 90 minutes is gonna be them like that's gonna be weird but no like the, obviously you intercut you you intercut but that's right. not how the story is so it it's so obvious but also very genius of peter mm-hmm. jackson everybody to to do that and take this this text which even within the writing it's not i, th- I think for those that haven't read this they just assume that the the writing is kind of cinematic in the way that maybe like a stephen king novel is cinematic it made it more epic than it is yeah it, because the writing is epic if you put epic on slow motion mm-hmm. yeah yes. <laughs> right and that and that that is how tolkien writes i mean he is very thorough very detailed and very slow it's Honestly, it's hard to read because mm-hmm. it is, it's not like, you know, someone like, you know, Stephen King, who is very boom, 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 straight to the point, or James Patterson, if you ever read him, right. like, you know, with a page and a half chapters and, you know, boom, 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 we're, we're just going to go through everything. And there's, there's no descriptors and stuff like that. And that's, and that's frankly why my wife doesn't read fantasy is she hates that her preferred reading is the only if it advances the plot you know mm-hmm. i don't give a shit if his shirt is brown unless right. his shirt needs to be brown for the plot 
And then when you get to Tolkien, who started like this fantasy genre that is now continued, you've got, you know, seven, 800 page novels where, you know, they spend a page and a half telling you what, you know, the thatched roofing and the trees. And this is what the, the cobblestone path and the, the all, all, you know, describing everything you see and frankly i love that stuff but like you know someone like my wife she hates it she's like whatever i gloss over it don't even pay attention all i want is the stuff that matters so anybody who like went to read the novels after they watched this probably didn't even make it halfway through the first one right you know but i mean anyways i'll stop battling keep going no 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 it just keep us on track keep us on track um but all of that is really good so just to just talk about a couple other moments within the film that i also that i also appreciated so love 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 how they were able to do uh she loves lair i thought that was really fantastic and very cinematic and that was good and she you know she stabbed Frodo and that that moment where it's just like the the pain and then like he like starts foaming at the mouth and then she starts like wrapping him up was just really really cool it's just like oh shit because as an audience member you're like oh oh wait what what's gonna happen now and that was one of those moments of like is this person killed is this person not killed that you really thought oh Frodo might actually be fucked, you know, like it was Sam might have to take the ring the rest of the way. Yeah. Never read the books. You might've been like, Oh damn, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. You know, anybody who read the books knows he didn't die, but, but yeah, that, that was a good scene. And do you know the trivia behind that scene as well? where he was actually stabbed with a prosthetic that was extremely painful and spent several days in the hospital after that scene. No. Because he was actually stabbed and it actually like hurt him. And they joked about, you know, him having an appendicitis because of where it stabbed him. And two years later, he had an appendicitis and they still think it might be from that. (laughs) No, I never heard that. Never heard that. Yeah. It's awesome slash not awesome. I mean, it's awesome for everybody if you're not. He also had Alka-Seltzer in his mouth that he chewed to get the foam to Mm -hmm. come out of his mouth. You know, another thing that I read is while he's, you know, encased in that, you know, web, Elijah Wood apparently has like this uncanny skill that he can not blink for ridiculous amounts of time and just stare fixated ahead. And yeah, so that was, you know, unedited. Like he literally can just not blink for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is I heard that. Ridiculous. I heard that. <laughs> just a, a weird, a weird party trick. Yeah. yeah. You know, we just like we talked about last episode with you know the Brad Dorf who can just cry on command. Right. You know, it's just weird. You know. That was a whole casting. 101 for Peter Jackson. I, I need somebody that can not blink for, for 10 minutes. I need somebody that can cry yeah. on cue. <laughs> right. I need somebody yeah, that can just randomly speak eye. eight languages and learn Elvish. You know, I, I, I need <laughs> all of that. I need somebody that's been reading J.R. Tolkien for fucking five decades. This is what I need. I need this. You know, so let's talk about the the Mumakil 
or the Oliphant scene. They're mm. known by both. The big <laughs> epic battle, you know, the whole that still only counts as one. You know, as much as I criticized, you know, the skateboarding mm-hmm. down the hill, you know, down the stairs in, you know, the stuff in uh, Two Towers, that scene with, you know, Legolas, like, you know, where he you know, basically, you know, hooks onto him, climbs up, cuts the saddle thing off and you know, scales takes, up the elephant, takes yeah. him out and slides down the trunk. You know, that that is, you know, an epic scene. And I, I love the whole that still only counts as one. And, you know, as he takes that out and it's, you know, reminiscent to the walkers and the Battle of Hoth. And, you know, they kind of did, you know, sort of the same thing with that. And, you know, that scene, I mean, the whole battle is cool, but I really like that scene. That's another one for me. No, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I think if memory serves, the extended edition does it a little bit more so than the theatrical but just them counting i don't know the differences between both there oh um just the the count like their 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 head counts like oh, their yeah. their, their, their like kills. counting every time he kills like you know and just 83 84 <laughs> it's just like come on dude we we got <laughs> yeah. it in the last film you don't need to keep doing it yeah, within that, this that film. was a little bit like yeah you're not gonna do that every time <laughs> yeah so I'm pretty sure that was more, if memory serves, that was something that was uh, kind of exaggerated in the extended that I think there might've been a moment or two, but it wasn't like in the extended, it feels like every time it kills somebody, yeah. it's like 33, yeah. 34. I'm it's pretty like, sure that's not in the book at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's only really in the, um, the, the two towers film where they're, where they're actually doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, went a little too far with it so it's a fun game you know whatever but yeah it's a good little game so really enjoyed that i'm I'm totally with you uh two other scenes because i mentioned three and i mentioned uh slayer the the whole army of the dead sequence fucking love yeah love 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 that are you talking about in the cave when Mm -hmm. he's you know brandishes a sword and like yeah yeah that's awesome you know that everyone's scared and you're surrounded by him and he's you know you know his sword can actually Legolas takes a shot and it goes straight through him but Aragorn's sword can block it yep and you know the shocked look on the the dead person's face and Peter Jackson didn't like that scene it didn't like that idea and you know but it's very frighteners I mean and that's exactly where I was going to go with that is yeah. he didn't like that. And that is one of the most Peter Jackson scenes of the entire trilogy. It felt like, oh, this is dead alive. This is the Frighteners. This. We know it's funny, you know, speaking of that, was we go to, you know, whatever that, what's the orc's name, Gothmog or whatever. That right. might be a trivia question. Something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that guy looks like a dead alive, mm-hmm. you know, villain and uh, i didn't even think about that till today and i'm like yeah he does look like a you know cheesy horror villain yep and but yeah i mean that that the army of the dead scenes i think are great and it's really neat how you know at the same time i also am like would the dead really be that hesitant if he's like you know why would why do you have to delay 
and get the dramatic moment before you're like, oh, look at my sword. I am the king. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like he would walk in and they would just be like, oh, you're the new king. You know, release us. You know, it's it's cinematic moments. It's exactly. It, it you got to play into the whole cinematic elements of it yeah i'll give it the pass and then obviously the 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 hundreds upon thousands of skulls falling was also really fucking bitching oh, yeah, I love that. That. and then i i love the i love the fact that after the movie had been released after it already won best picture there's still Peter Jackson's still going back and filming more scenes because he thought it'd be funny to be still filming on a movie that already won best picture. <laughs> so some of those scenes were filmed, you know, some of the extended edition scenes were filmed, you know, months after it released and already won best yep. picture. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> All right. Final, final moment before we transition to the final act of this, but I'd be remiss okay. if I didn't mention one of like i think the the crowd pleaser moment which is basically samwise the brave right he which is just makes everybody the hair on the back of their neck like stand up and just everybody just that 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 enormous sense of mm-hmm. love and just 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 how how fucking incredible samwise is with the the moment where you know he he can't he can't take the rank he can't do it Right, but he's going to pick him up and carry him up a fucking mountain. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah, you might not be able to, you know, I can't carry the weight for you, but I can carry you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Sean Astin is just so perfect in this movie, and we we've we've talked about everybody else and within within the trilogy, but I think this film is it's Sean Astin's story in many ways because you know earlier in the film just the idea that he's kind of pit up against up against frodo right and he's like oh and and then he's kind of left and he comes back and he 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 saves him from shulab and everything but and then is still after all of that had he killed Gollum. You know, it still wouldn't have worked. So still with that and then the dynamic of how much he knew that Gollum was manipulating Frodo and Frodo's urge to keep him from killing Gollum, you know, in the end, if it wouldn't have been for Gollum, it never would have been destroyed. I love that three-way dynamic that has bounced back and forth this whole movie, Mm -hmm. you know, and then in the end, you know, you know, if it had, you know, you go all the way back to fellowship where, you know, Frodo and Gandalf and Moria were like, you know, you know, we should kill him. And, you know, you know, many that live deserve life and some that die deserve death. You know, that line that we already talked about. Right. So, I mean, like leaving Gollum alive this whole time is really what made everything work. It, yeah, I, I love that whole three-way dynamic. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I have two things that I want to mention Please. that are negatives, and that's it. Other than that, oh, you're jumping, you're already fall. jumping into it. All right, let's do it. I was going to so, say we're yeah, going to cover all I that, mean, and then we're going to cover some of the things that you didn't like. But all right, let's let's no, get into that's, it. That's what I'm talking about is the didn't likes. All right, let's hear it. There is not much that I don't like, but there are some things that if you 
stand back and look at it, you're like, really? That doesn't make any sense. Number one is the beacons. Okay. The beacon scene is great. And it's, you know, it's based on real life. You know, you light the beacon and light the next one and, you know, get word across the continent. That's based on a real thing. But Gondor and Rohan don't like each other at the start of this movie. And they have not aligned in decades. So as someone who has stood a military watch for four hours a night, who are these people on the top of this random mountain that are just waiting for something that hasn't happened in 50 years? They're just sitting there like maybe someday I can light this beacon like how do they get up there? When do they get relieved? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like what is the, yeah. What is the watch rotation? Yeah, There's dozens of people on top of this mountain range that extends hundreds of miles. And there's just two guys sitting there saying, you know, it's never happened, but maybe someday I'll see that light. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of like the big, like weird, what kind of moments like, of yeah, it's like, who without, a doubt, without a doubt without a doubt there it is you know you know besides the funny part of it when you go back to denethor is absolutely against rohan there's no way rohan would ever come and help me theoden is absolutely against gondor there's no way gondor would ever come and help me why are there still people stationed there? Mm-hmm. You know, so who are yep. these people that have just been on top of a mountain for 20 years hoping this will happen? You know? No, I, I have no disagreements. I've literally thought the same things while I was watching that today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So that, that, that was my first, you know, like funny thing to point out. The second thing was Theoden's tent. Like holy shit! Oh, how, how much, it was all stacked with all the rugs and bring with you. Yeah. They're going the, into war, and he's got all these yeah, different yeah. rugs and yeah, you all got this. rugs and tables and chairs and beds and like where? And he's like, "We travel as light as we can. Yeah. Let's go." Ain't nothing like, light about that. The fucking palace <laughs> that you've got there, dude. Right? Yeah. Like you, you have the most elaborate, you know, five star tent ever like like no we're like we're traveling light we're going to war but make sure we bring that table and that chair and i like that painting and all these decorations and oh if don't forget this rug and you know you know i love my finest silverware you know don't don't forget all that (laughs) right i guess my my final question to you is what do you think this film a masterpiece would you would you go on? I mean, this movie did win eleven Oscars. It did, yeah. And it it's grossed over one point one point one and a half billion dollars in the box office. All right, so um, let's let's go a different route. Do you agree, as a movie buff, that this didn't win any best or didn't even get nominated for any acting awards? <laughs> Do you feel like there should have been an acting award in here? Or did the committee just say, we didn't give you best picture on the first two, so we're giving it to you now? Because oh, you're saying like a sympathy nobody- vote? I don't think this movie was a sympathy vote. I mean, it was nominated for 11. It Well, no, I think I just gave away one of my trivia questions. Um, it. I already knew it was 11, so if that was your question. Well, there, well, well, well we're going to get to the trivia here in just a second. <laughs> but... Um, but- I, I kind of felt like it was a sympathy vote. Okay. 
But when it happened, I'm like, yeah, the first two didn't win Best Picture, so this one's going to win. And that's fine, because a lot of people consider the trilogy as one movie. So, I mean, if you think of the entire thing as one movie, yes, it deserves to win something. Mm -hmm. But had you been on the committee, is there any actor or actress in this movie that you thought would be deserving of such an award? Because only uh, one. Oh, there's only one actor, and I just I just referenced him. I mean, it would be it'd be Sean Astin as like a okay. best supporting actor. Yeah, maybe as a supporting actor. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I I totally agree that he at least should have maybe been nominated for that. But I mean, we don't have a lead actor in this that like takes the whole movie and guides it all. No, so, there's no there's no out and out lead. But yeah, right. you know, Sean Astin. I would I like. If there's anybody that was overlooked, yeah, Sean Astin as Sam yeah. should have had a best uh, best um, so, supporting. Honestly, audience. yeah, but honestly, you say yeah, it was nominated for eleven Oscars, yeah, and it won Best Picture. Okay, but the other ten were, you know, makeup and sound and songs and, and you know all the technical and from a technical the technical aspect, stuff, which it was is a, a technical masterpiece. masterpiece. Yeah, that that stuff is a masterpiece, and it deserved all of those. But I I still don't feel like the Academy gave the rec- the the right. I don't know. Um, for the first three movies as total, I don't. I still don't think they took them seriously enough yet. Nowadays, Lord of the Rings set the standard. So now, if you make a a fantasy movie that's a masterpiece it's going to be considered but back then i still think it was you know there's this weird nerdy genre and i guess you know we'll we'll throw them a nominee because they looked all right you know i don't know i'm not an oscar uh you know aficionado i have friends of mine that watch everything that the oscars recommend and all they care about every year is what you know, is been considered by the Oscar committee. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that because most of the movies I watch, nobody will watch. <laughs> but I don't know. I, it's, it's just a comparison between you as a movie guy and me as not really a movie guy. What do you feel? It, it's interesting. Uh, just when I kind of like break it down, do I think this is my favorite of the trilogy? Until I rewatched it again, I would have said no, that the the first one would have my favorite because that introduced uh, introduces the story. It's the initial right. journey. That one. You feel in the same way. That I told you when I started that Fellowship was my favorite. Now I'm feeling the same way. But when I think of the this movie is just a better technical it's a better technical film and that's what this movie wins on i mean the the battles are really extravagant they're really well done the story in this is great it's a fantastic picture it's it's the best it's the best so yes i agree why this movie won all the awards because it should have because based on everything they did with this film but it's not my favorite and i i want to be very careful in how i phrase that because i think this movie 
is damn near, damn near perfect. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, what you have to think about today versus 20 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, it was a technical marvel back then with the mix of thousands of CGI stuff and live action stuff. Whereas a movie, if this was released today, it would be all CG. The entire movie would have been a green screen. And that's the expected standard. And it might have won Best Picture now with that. I think I think we should hold this as a higher standard because of I mean the lack of CG technology 20 years ago and even between this movie and the second and the first I mean the technology changed so much in filming these three movies that there's so much more CG and I mean it's it's beautifully done compared to you know if you watch a Marvel movie now I don't think the CG is beautifully done. Mm. I think it looks like CG. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I when I look at this movie, I put it in the the context of well, what other movies have won these type of awards in a similar way, mm-hmm. and this movie under well, I was going to say under no fault of its own, but no, under its own fault because it's 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 an epic war movie, right? So mm-hmm. this movie naturally is going to be compared with the the greatest war film ever made, which is Lawrence of Arabia. So how does this movie stack up with a film like Lawrence of Arabia? Now the where this movie fails is Lawrence of Arabia was one was just one story beginning to an end, right? This is a third chapter of a three plus hour film where you look at maybe Ben-Hur in a similar mindset of just like these sweeping landscapes, epic like scenes and, and, and sound and editing and everything. So you look at it with that, but we're talking about all of those elements, but at the core, why this film still succeeds is why you have that moment at the end of the film where everybody's bowing to the hobbits. You're the the movie yeah. ad. Pardon me. It's a phenomenal. It's yeah. a, it's the, a the movie. The movie awesome at its moment. core is you're celebrating the unsung. You're you're celebrating the the regular guy that that accomplishes mm-hmm. great fucking task despite all the right. odds against him, and. You get that with Frodo, you get that with Sam, you get that with Mary, and you get that with Pippin. And that's this, there's like a catharsis that you have with this. Why, although I enjoy the first film better, this movie is a more fulfilling film than than the first one because the the payoff is so strong and so well done and so well earned because of everything else you have seen. Exactly. And, you know, whether Sean Astin or um, uh, Billy Boyd, or I can't believe I forgot even Frodo's name. Elijah uh, Wood. Elijah Wood. And yeah, those four, those four actors fucking crushed it with what they were doing in 
who they really are within this world, right? Yeah. And the movie is called Return of the King, right? It's Return of the King, and that's obviously what this is about. But fuck, man, the the, the title could have just as easily been called, you know, um, Rise of the Hobbit. Rise of the Hobbit. You know what I mean? Like, like, or right, something yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, because of just what what they were able to do and there weren't this movie wasn't you didn't get that that um that cliche line that Gandalf did of you know you can know blah 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 and you, you get this little moment about like how a hobbit can surprise you like you don't get any like cheesy payoff this right. one was just like earned of uh, these four you still have the fool of a took yeah you, know? you still you still have a little bit yeah, about you're this you're still an idiot but yeah. You being an idiot actually helped Frodo later, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you holding the Palantir made Sauron think that, you know, the ring was farther away than it was, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good payoff, you know. Yeah. So and him him doing that actually helps the story. So right. even exactly. though he's being dumb and he shouldn't have done it, it still helps. And yeah. that's the so Which I, I also that. love that scene where Aragorn picks it up and he's like, ha ha, look at my sword. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you've me for so long. That's a great scene too. And then just to wrap this up before I get into your final like quiz, um, mm-hmm. my, my final, final scene that I love is just the four of them going back and, and how they've changed, but where they're from isn't changed, right? So, like, you, you've mm-hmm. now you've been to war, but you're going back to your small town, and the right. small town is still small, same small been town gone politics. For 13 months, yep. you know, that might be a trivia question, but you very gone, well may it very well may be for 13 months, and you've arrived back, and everybody is still there, and everybody yep. is just like. Yeah, whatever. Where have you been? Like, mm-hmm. we have just changed the world and saved everything. And everyone else is just like, nope, I'm just out here, you know, mowing my lawn yep. and, you know, mm-hmm. sweeping off the front porch and nothing's different. And mm-hmm. you're still the weirdos because you left. <laughs> yeah, that is such a weird moment. Yeah. It, you can feel it like you can feel yeah. like being that person like i just arrived home and i've done all this and everything's the same and nobody cares or notices and it's just like yeah it's like i gotta settle down and be normal again mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah it's a it's a neat moment yeah that could be experienced in real life a lot too yeah without a doubt Speaking of real, uh, speaking of real moments that can be experienced in real life, it's time for a pop quiz that everybody can experience along with you in five little short moments. Here's your question okay. number one of five. Okay. Which we've already addressed. How many Oscars did this film win? Eleven. Eleven. Question number two. <laughs> How many Oscars, though, was this film nominated for? 30. Oh, no. No, this That's film. The franchise. Not the franchise, the franchise. This film. This film, 11. 11. It was a clean sweep. 11 for 11. Yeah. The franchise, I think, was 30. 30. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah. So, yeah, this was 11 for 11, which is 
Um, I think been duplicated a couple times since. Mm, but... Maybe question number three. This film has been duplicated by total wins. Can you name one or two of the other films that have won 11 Oscars? One should be really easy. One or two. Our lifetime. Titanic. There you go. Titanic. Make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. So Titanic and Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Yeah. Both won 11, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So this was for the 2004 Oscars, right? Best Mm -hmm. picture that this film won. Can you name any other film (laughs) that was nominated for a best picture in 2004? Oh, 2004. Any other film that was was nominated nominated for Best Picture? No cheating. You know, what's funny is that I don't normally watch the Oscars, but I did. I bet you did. For that year, I I know. Because I wanted Lord of the Rings to win. So I I don't watch the Oscars religiously, but that year I did. And something that came out in 2004 that I thought was competition. Uh, I, uh, there was competition there was maybe a film that might win something right maybe yeah. mm-hmm. um give me an actor uh toby mcguire well spider-man nope <laughs> that didn't come out in 2004 i don't know uh see biscuit Sea Biscuit, really? Mm-hmm. I was watching that the other day. Uh, Sean Penn, uh, Mystic River. Yeah, I mean, you say Bill Sean Murray. Penn. The only thing I think of in my head is Platoon. Sure. You know? uh, Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray in all four. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson was also in it. Uh, Took place in Japan. Uh, yeah. Lost in translate. Uh, lost in translation. Believe. Yeah, I'd never seen that. I don't watch. And then movies. Master and Commander, which I never saw. Oh, Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have that DVD and I watched that movie, yeah. and that was a, a that was okay, but it wasn't better than this. <laughs> okay, all, all right. right. There's, There's one more, the, right? I've got another one because of the fact that you already answered how long the journey uh, the journey was. So I've got an alternate. Um, yeah, thirteen months. Thirteen Sorry. months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So do you know what is the, because we've already established that this movie is really long, right? The extended is over four hours, but the theatrical is over, you know, three hours and change. Do you know which film is the longest running film to win best picture? Well, this is four hours and seven minutes extended, three hours and 12 minutes theatrical. So I think that, I mean, I don't want to say Ben Hur is longer. I want to say Ben Hur is longer, but that's still not the longest. (sighs) You know, I did look at this stat, but I glazed over it because I thought you would focus on just Lord of the Rings stuff. I had to throw you off because I knew that, Uh, especially when you said you were doing trivia. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to throw them off. Well, it wouldn't be Lawrence of Arabia because you mentioned it too much. <laughs> Lawrence Arabia is even longer than Ben Hur. Yeah, but there's but another still, one. There's one more. Godfather. Godfather 2 is longer than uh, Lord of the Rings, but the film I was looking for was 
Gone with the Wind. Oh yeah, that's a long ass movie too. Yeah. Yeah. What? My favorite. Oh, Lena just said it's her favorite, but she didn't know the answer. <laughs> She's in the background being suspicious. Well, I was wondering if that's what it was. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, Gone with the Wind is yeah, the Gone end. with the Wind. So, Brad, once again, we are, I am so thankful uh, to revisit this uh, this franchise with you. This has been fun because I haven't watched these movies in a really long time. So, to take the opportunity to watch all of these films and their extended edition versions as well has been a, a fun adventure. Thank you very much. I am. Um, I'm a better person. No, uh, I'm, I'm thankful. It's been great. Uh, when I first suggested it, I really thought that you were like super hesitant. You're like, oh, those are like too long for my podcast to cover. You know, that's just the impression that I got. You're like, oh, those are really long, but sure, I guess we could do that. <laughs> well, and, I mean, the but, bottom line is I I don't half-ass this. So if somebody says, well, I want to watch this movie, I'm, I'm like, well, all right, let's do it. So I look at it as I'm never against the challenge. I just will internalize, oh, mm. my God, knowing who I am, what does that mean for me? And with with this series it's just like oh that's 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 many hours just as just as anybody would say you we want to do the godfather or ben-hur or anything i'm like fuck i'm gonna be watching a lot of hours worth of footage i feel like this episode we have covered the movie less than the last two no i think you're gonna be surprised i think you're gonna be surprised the whole idea is not to unspool there's already a podcast for that. Unspool the whole movie and break this down. The whole idea oh, yeah. is to discuss the emotional weight that you have and what you think about when you think about this movie, why you like it, what are scenes that that resonate with you, the emotional baggage you've got, what has lingered. That's what people want to hear. People don't want to hear a, a diatribe breakdown of minute 123 out of <laughs> right. 222. We, we talked about that last time. Like yeah. most people have seen this movie. If you're listening to this, you've seen the movie. Exactly. Presumably. One percent yeah. of you maybe have. So. Yeah. yeah. And other and those that have a lot of people that haven't seen it, they just want to hear people talk about a movie, what they liked, what they didn't. They don't want right. a summary. This the, this podcast isn't summaries of your favorite film. You know, it the whole idea is just to discuss movies with people that enjoy a certain film. So right. I think we've successfully covered what we need to. Can we have taken a deeper dive? Sure. Without a doubt. I don't dispute that, but that's not what I'm trying to go for. I'm, I'm really looking for the emotional element yeah, of what you like to this podcast five more times and still not cover everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to do it again next year. No, um, but (laughs) Brad, this has been awesome. Lena, thank you very much for letting me borrow your husband for two hours. This has been a good time. Whatever it is. Love UHF before we sign off. Um, Wait, do you want me to say I love UHF? Is that what you said? Or you want want you to agree that UHF is awesome? I mean, I'm not going to say it isn't. I mean, there's there's a lot to enjoy in that film. So I also... Do you know what I realized last night? That Cooney 
is you know long duck dong from 16 candles i didn't know that till last night yeah he was also the (laughs) i forget his name in gung-ho he was in a movie with uh, Michael Keaton where they brought like Japanese people over into Detroit to like start up like a new car uh, company. And he was in that. He uh, he was also in an episode of Seinfeld where everybody was like sleeping in drawers for an episode. But yeah, that <laughs> that that actor, I forget his name, but he, he's been in a lot of stuff. But yeah, he was obviously stupid in 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 uhf but there are a lot a lot of great cameos in uhf and i will save that for another episode of stanford cinema ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening we'll catch you next time bye everybody say bye say bye to everybody hey bye see you next time